Hi, this is Gary Rogowski. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome to September. This is, it's hard to believe this year has flown by. Anyways, thanks for joining us. I'm going to start off this season's uh, series of podcasts with one on uh, a chat I had in class recently. I was in a joinery class and we were talking about dovetails. And in speaking with my group, I I went on about how hard this work is. So you could see the folks struggling with these uh, techniques and how many challenges they faced. Uh, there are plenty when you first take on uh, hand-cutting a, a joint. I, I always remember, and it was something I never paid attention to, but in uh, Glass Onion, the Beatles song, uh, John Lennon says uh, something about uh, how hard it is to... Cutting a dovetail joint, man. <laughs> Looking through a glass onion. They're both hard. And we walk into a classroom or a shop and we're possessed with our knowledge, surety of our own gifts, our skills, the attributes we bring to class. Doesn't my whole life prove that I am capable? You think to yourself and then you walk into the bench and you try and cut a dovetail joint and you fail miserably humbled by every act I take at the bench, which is difficult. That can be quite difficult. Here I am made dumb by my inabilities that seem to number more greatly the more I work on something. They add up faster than my successes, and it's hard to push through that. It's difficult to swallow. This is a challenge to face because I know what good is. Pay no mind what great might be. I know what good is. And I know what good is, and I know that my work right now is not good. And that is difficult to accept. It's not nearly good enough. And I've just started, and the path seems so long. I understand this feeling. But what becomes clear after a week or so of hand-cutting dovetails, or router-cutting some, but mostly the hand-cutting, is that you get better at it. I learned patience. When, when cutting, when sawing, I learned to focus on what is in front of me. I can't split my focus any longer. On, for instance, my driving and my texting. No, don't do it. My scanning the news and writing a note or whatever two or three things you or I do in a day all at the same time. I can't do that and cut dovetails. I can't be thinking about something else and try to be cutting dovetails. It does not work. You have to focus on what's in front of you. And one of the things that you learn in a week of class like this is that if I don't concentrate on what is exactly in front of me, it will be done wrong or poorly. It'll get done in a haphazard way, and that's not how I want to feel at the end of two or three hours or two or three days if I'm building a small project. It's not how I want to feel. I want to feel good about the results of my efforts because you can see what happens? It, there it is. It's piled up on your bench at the end of the day. This is the result of your work. It's not theoretical. It's not digital. It is as analog as you get. Here's a pile of sawdust and here's some boards. How'd you do? How does it add up? How does it stack up? This little dovetailed box that I'm building starts to represent who I am. My efforts and my stamina, my wits, are all engaged in the struggle to produce something that shows the world, I made this, and I'm proud of it, I made this. It can be very simple, 
and yet the the benefits from it are so large. I had so many different types of people from so many different backgrounds, but you could see how fulfilled they felt just by cutting a simple dovetail joint well and having it fit together nicely. Makes a difference. This box, this symbol, is what I stand for, or what I think I stand for, as a notion. But even as I as I say that word notion, that's a two week two week a word for how I feel about this box. I stand for the belief, the box, and I stand for this belief that quality is important. It is important in my life. It's important in the world. And even if I accept less than that high standard throughout my day or at work, because quality means I have to slow down and everything the digital revolution has taught us is to speed up. Everything good comes from speeding up, from multitasking to binge-watching television to climbing every tall mountain in the country in a year's time. I need to do it all, and I need to do it fast. That's what the digital revolution has taught us. Speed up. You're not going fast enough. But if I slow down, if I try to do quality work, Something else emerges from that for me. There is a benefit to be had. But even if I drop my standards at work, here at the bench where I'm working just for myself, no one else, my standards go up. I want to do this work of quality. And I want this effort to represent that this is who I am to the world. Or to my spouse, at least. To my sweetie. Which leads me to understand that failure is a part of this game. I seem to fail at every turn, but when I do, I also learn something. So this failure and understanding or learning are two sides of a coin, it seems. There is much to be gained from trying something and seeing that it does not work. I hold myself at the bench to cut this dovetailed scarf joint, and I can, I can feel it. I'm too close to the work with my body. I have to step back. I can't see the saw cutting the line as well as I'd like, so I step back. I extend my arms. I just learned something. I find my rhythm, my pace for this job, this effort, and where it feels right. And this is how I continue after that first failure. I learned something and moved on from there. But if failure is such a part of this effort, it becomes important for me to also understand that I have to learn to deal with this failure with my mistakes. Because they come in waves sometimes, like the ocean, like splinters or cuts in my hands. I don't get just one little cut. They adhere to the rule of three. I get them in threes. One cut, a second splinter, a third slice. I went to the lumberyard, get three splinters in my left hand that fast, picking up a piece of oak. So how do I accommodate this kind of repeated failure into my life? Now, this is just me speaking. I do not speak for anyone else. But I have to learn how to not to get angry with myself. And that doesn't work because I do get angry with myself when I make a mistake. As I mentioned in, in my book, Handmade, I am one of the loudest woodworkers around. Oh, I, There's a dialogue going on there nonstop, me talking about how I'm doing. And I hate it when I make a mistake of seeing or measuring or placing a tool. So my disappointment gets writ loud across the airwaves of the studio. But I have to let it go so I don't get wrapped up in this anger and make it worse. I have learned that much. I have to shut off this critic's voice who was always at the ready to remind me what a screw-up I am. Problems get very large very quickly. 
They're like those dry sponges that I buy at the store. They're so skinny sitting in their bag. They're little tiny squished little things. And when water hits them, they swell up to five, ten times their size. That's how a problem grows for me. It's nothing at first. I put a mark somewhere unwanted and it's nothing. But then I realize I can't erase it without effort and my frustration grows exponentially. Like a, like the seismic earthquakes uh, algorithmic increase. Each tenth is not just a point. It's ten times greater. And I realize I can't erase a mistake without so much effort. My frustration grows and I get angry and the anger takes over and this little problem is exploded into something 10 times its size. It's important. And so it fills the room and I'm yelling at myself for this mistake again. Can I do something right? The rhetorical question bounces off the walls a thousand times. And at this point, I have learned that I have to leave and take myself for a walk around the block. I just have to go away, remove myself from the scene, and get outside, get away from it. This takes my eyes away from the mistake, and this takes my critical self away from the failure. I go out, I see the world, although my focus is not on the world. I hear my footsteps, I see this world around me, I breathe, I see the sky, there are colors, there are sights, there are sounds. All is not lost, the world is still trundling on, even though I made this huge mistake, right? I recognize then that it's not the worst mistake ever made. It's not even close to the worst mistake I have ever made. And in walking around the block, if I consider it carefully, there's always a way to fix it and maybe incorporate it into the design. No mistakes. Only design opportunities for us at the bench. No mistakes. Oh yeah, every once in a while you have to replace a part. But when you do have to replace a part, it's easy. You've just built it. You've just made it. You know exactly what to do and how to get to that point. It's so much faster. But the forgiveness, that's the hard part. It takes a moment of calm to figure this out, to figure out that there's a way. But understanding that forgiveness is the most important tool I need at the bench. That's a big one. We have these uh, chats every once in a while in the studio, open to the public, free. And uh, they're called Design Open House. And we had one on Curiosity a few years back. And uh, I invite other experts over to chat with me. I had a, a pianist and a photographer in to talk about curiosity, Bill and David. And um, it was fascinating, fascinating discussion on the importance of curiosity for uh, an active mind, uh, for someone interested in the world. And it was finishing up, the chat was finishing up, and I looked over at one of my residents. I looked at Pat... And I thought, if Pat needed anything, he needed to learn how to forgive himself for his mistakes because he was so hard on himself. If he could do this, then he could go on to do some great work. He did. He did. There's a little image at the uh, front page of this podcast. When you click on it, you'll see a little image. And that's Pat's piece. That was his signature piece. Stunning bit of work. Came out of seemingly nowhere. And he didn't do Georgian-style pieces until that final one, and he really upped his game, and it was a tremendous effort. But I think some of that came from understanding the need to let go of the little mistakes, press on, learn what you can from them. The most important attribute I need at the bench is forgiveness. Now, I'm not an advocate for sloppy work. I'm not uh, saying that you can do your worst efforts and then you can just confess your sins. 
like a hitman, like a Catholic hitman. I just killed somebody again. Sorry. Confess my skin. It's all good. Forgiveness is something that has to be in your parcel of tools. I want to do my best work each time out. And then I don't. But failure is not the end of things. It's just another opportunity to prove my wits again and figure a way out of this mess. And, and that's one of the things I think we like as woodworkers. We like problem solving. We like figuring out ways of taking care of an issue. And the fact that I continue to create these issues for myself is, well, considered a boon. It's a, it's a great opportunity. We had another open house uh, that was concerned with creativity. And uh, David Byspiel, a poet, and he runs the Attic Institute, uh, was talking about his time as a competitive diver. And he was a very good diver, David was, uh, because he was competing against uh, somebody named Greg Luganis. So high-level stuff. And he said that after jumping from the platform, he would know immediately what mistakes he had made. And he had about a second or a second and a half to correct those before he hit the water. And if he did it right, you know, he didn't create a big splash. And if he did it wrong, everyone knew. So his creativity was how to make those corrections as quickly as possible in a very short period of time. Very difficult to do. But it's what happens. We would like to be perfect in this world. I know my father beat that perfection into me. And letting go of it has been the most important and satisfying thing I've done in the, in the studio. In the end, it really is true. I mean, I like building stuff for myself, and that's very satisfying, but being able to make a mistake and, and not blowing up about it, that's just so big. Because it's such a waste of energy. It's such a waste of time and effort to go beating myself up or have a tantrum or throwing words around. I don't throw tools, but throwing words around and beating myself up. It's such a waste of effort. Having that understanding has uh, has improved my time at the bench. It's just another hat I have to wear, and that is um, figuring out how to get out of the mess I just created. And if I think about it, if I remember how many problems I've solved over the years, then it also becomes easy, easier to remember how many mistakes there are in my work, which I don't see anymore. You don't see them. You don't remember them. And there is no God in heaven who has ever been insulted by my perfection. I mean, my work is filled with mistakes. And I forget. The perpetrator, I forget where these mistakes are sometimes. How terrible it once seemed. Get on with the work. That's the goal. Get on with it. One final thought. I think that our time at the bench has value for us and how we deal with the rest of the world. It allows us to center ourselves, get some time alone. It is a time where we can work on the things that we need to do at the bench, but at the same time, get some quiet time alone. I think that one of the, uh, one of the things that uh, we woodworkers really need is that conversation we have with ourselves, and if it can be one of uh, generosity rather than criticism. How much better do we leave the bench that day, that evening? Uh, how much better are we to be around? And it is that kind of forgiveness, that kind of attitude that I hope affects other people. I have now some some few apprentices out there, and I ran into Shane, his wife, the other other day at the lumberyard. And 
she came up and gave me a big hug and said, thank you for what you've done for him. And I said, oh, I haven't done nothing for him. But that still felt good. Felt good to hear. What you do as you build this stuff has an effect on other people. Do good work. Show people that it's worth it. Show people that that effort is worth it in a world that's trying to throw itself away. Be that bastion in your neighborhood of quality. People will come to you and say, this is interesting. I like what I see here. A lot of people are just going to blow right by and change the channel and move on. You can't help them. But you can help some. And in this small way, we affect the world. That's my belief. It's what I'm trying to do. It's a Sunday. I've got to get some work prepared for the week. And it's all right. It's quiet time. I like that. Please be sure to check out our website. I've got our fall schedule up now of classes and workshops and lectures. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, I want to point out we've, we start our term in October. And there's a full schedule on our website, northwestwoodworking.com. Please check it out. If you like what we're doing here on the podcast and want to support us, there's a coffee button on our website. And uh, ask me a question if you uh, have some some burning issues. Uh, I'd be happy to answer them. All right, take care of yourself. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.